Welcome to American Redemption, the show where the next generation of American patriots learn to fight back in America's toughest cultural battles. Hello, everyone. Welcome to American Redemption, episode 21. Today we have two special guests. We guys, you guys already know Johnson. He's back. Hey, everyone. This is Johnson. And we've also brought on someone who's previously considered too controversial to be on the podcast. But I, want, I, want, I want Johnson to inter, in, introduce our guest. Too yeah, controversial. So, um, so today His I, name is Tony. I've had the, the, the pleasure of meeting Tony Sylvester over here. And I can see exactly why uh, the host here decided that in the past he was too controversial. <laughs> you know, he's a pretty sparky guy. And you never know when he's going to drop something that... You should never say to your grandma. See, I, 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 I disagree because in the in the briefing I was looked at pretty controversially, so True. Well Tony. I wonder I wonder if Tony will be able to talk me. Yeah. I, well, thanks for having me on the show guys. Uh, my name is Tony Sylvester. Um, yes, I am very controversial, but I'm quite reformed now. I've grown uh, substantially. So yeah, we are sitting here with Johnson and Tony and Steve and everyone's got their cup of tea. We've got American Redemption Tea Time Edition, and our topic today is so it, it the the, we re- have a the, re- the reason we have tea is because we reject the uh, Boston Tea Party revolutionary narrative, and we actually want to go back to Christian monarchy, which Whoa. is which is like decently based. I like the Boston Tea Party. It's one of my one of my favorite tea parties in history. I think we could find a middle ground. Yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't say I would uh, get rid of America. I, I like our system the way it was set up. But this is a, a digression. Yeah, Christian monarchy. I don't know though if that would turn out well. I agree with Steve. So here's the thing, though. We can go look. There is a Christian monarchy remaining. It's called the Catholic Church, with the Pope as the king. And I think almost every devout Catholic will say that. Our current pope is really not that great, and uh, you know it, we can trust the Catholic Church to retain its integrity because, as we know, it's guided and protected by God. But not every country is guided and protected by God, so I do not believe that the human error contained within uh, any given monarch can sustain but, a, what right, just what about a Catholic yeah. Republic. That's yeah, good. I would say so. The corruption from someone having that much power just might have a couple good leaders, but you'll get a bad one and he'll really screw things yeah. up. A good but, book shout out would be Catholic Republic by Tim yeah, Gordon. Yeah, we really like Tim Gordon. He's a, a, a philosopher who yeah. agrees with us on a lot of points and he's super smart. Yeah, so you actually finally loaned me one of his books Yes. T- today. 40 Rules for Retrogrades. Yeah, that you were withholding at breakfast this morning, but then you finally gave I it I brought to it. Me. I want the retrogrades to read you it. You showed up to a book exchange without any books. That's how I roll. What do you think about that, Tony Sylvester? I think it's quite despicable. Like, honestly, if I didn't know you any better, I would have deemed you like a criminal. Dang. And honestly, you'd probably be, like, banished. How about like, this? Sorry, right? I'm giving away two books, and everyone else was only giving away one. Oh. That's a different take. That's a different this. take, isn't it? Well, well yeah, but it, it so but at breakfast it looked bad because we both gave you a book. and It was a psyop, and you these are tricked. These are some alternative facts that... The MSM just doesn't really... Yeah. And, and Steven is orchestrating a PSYOP here. Hmm. Well, yeah, we're um, bridging us into the topic today, which is talking about... Right. The topic, I'm going to just ask the question. 
how do we stand up for what is right without doing more harm than good? We don't want to be alienating people or putting them on the defensive. And we also don't want to come across as these crazy weirdos. So there's a way to do it without doing, you know, without doing more harm. And for some people, it's harder than others. You know, you do come across as a crazy weirdo. Right. Even to someone like me. Exactly. Given my situation in the briefing, yeah, I was saying some stuff that was kind of out of context and it was taken like, oh, wow, this guy's really... uh, really on it today or like maybe like on the spectrum a little bit exactly yeah so So that's a good point there it's all about knowing your audience if it's just some normal person who isn't that into politics you have to be very careful about introducing each point so that they are kind of led in the direction so this was an interesting thing i picked up this week this is kind of on a mainstream source i guess but it was on uh, Candace Owens's podcast when she had like Doyle and all of them on and they were talking about how Alex Jones says everything that's correct but in a crazy manner but Rachel Maddow tells you everything that's a lie but it's in like a distinct like news format mm. so who are people more likely to believe even though you're being fr- uh, fed a whole bevy of lies on MSNBC CNN even like Fox News to to a good extent but they're port- portraying it to you as like, you know, well, I'm just your typical newsman in a tie, just like telling you what's going on. But Alex Jones is there like yelling, like they're turning the frogs gay. Yeah. And it's, it's true. In psychology, this is called a framing bias. It's when you you let the way an argument is presented influence the uh, how how much you accept the argument. So with Alex Jones, you see some crazy high T guy. Well, he tries to be high T yelling about what they do to the frogs. They're turning them gay. Well, they are, they are, but <laughs> he's not going to convince too many people of it unless they are already predisposed to it. Right. So you, you have to be, we always say it's important to be optical because you don't want, you don't, you don't want to give people any more reasons to disagree with you. Yeah. So you have to be very rational and guide people from one point to the next. And my favorite strategy is making people come to their own conclusion by asking questions that expose their bias so you can get to the root of something like it's just sometimes just asking why it just totally disarms people no yeah you you have to be a philosopher king you have to question everything why do you think Socrates or Plato or any of the great philosophers were so controversial in their time because they were they were so cool, calm, and collected, and they just asked why. That's why they had influence. And you know, Socrates was so against democracy that they actually held a vote on whether he should be killed or not. That's he, so and he he didn't even oppose the vote because he was just like democracy is cringe. Wow. Like if you guys are gonna kill me, like just go for let it. Let it be because, by democracy. Yeah, let Dang. it be by, let, let me die by democracy because that's how opposed I am. Yeah, why it just totally disarms people. I have encountered this horrible woman at work a few times when we still had a mask mandate in the hall. I would be wearing it on my chin or whatever or just below my nose and she'd stop me in the hall and say, you're not wearing your mask properly. And I'd say, I know. And she'd be like, put your mask up. And I'd say, nope, not going to do that. And um, she would ask why, and I'd just say, because it's dumb. And then she would, 
she didn't know how to respond to that. She would just start stammering and yelling after me down the hall. It's not dumb. It's building policy. Building policy. That's a good reason. And um, this is why I read the scripture passage to you earlier today from St. Paul that talks about you can't just because something's a And that's not even a law. That's just building policy. But what, what he says in, what was that? We were talking about Galatians. He, he talks about like you can't serve God and also serve the law. Sometimes the law is opposed to to, to God. Yeah, so and, that's when you have a, a duty to stand up. It's not just like, oh, this is bad. I, I Maybe you should do something about it. It's a duty. Um, and there's more and more occasions in the world today where we have a duty to stand up because the the globalist American empire, the the liberal world order, which sometimes is called globo homo, globo homo, the Western world is increasingly becoming antithetical to Christianity. We've already plugged this before, but great series from John Doyle on YouTube about the philosophical roots of conservatism and liberalism. I think uh, Johnson has a good example of some of these everyday encounters from his experience. He has a position at his organization where he was asked to uh, give his pronouns. So how do we how do we respond in a situation like that? That's something that's going to happen more and more. People are going to ask you your pronouns, and we can't cede the ground to them that we we shouldn't be like giving them their pronouns. But there's a way to do it where you look like just some like stuck up jerk, and there's a way to do it where you kind of like maybe I think the best way is to poke fun at it. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I was going to say. If uh, if you know if you're in a training session, for example, and there's a it's the start of the day and they want to go through and get everyone's pronouns first of all I hope that you're not uh, being forced into an organization like this but sometimes this is just the world we live in and you don't have a choice uh, you know if you if, if if it comes around to you you're gonna feel the peer pressure to just say my pronouns are he him you know because that's what they want you to say but there's a couple options you could take you could you could give in or you could take a very robust stance against it and maybe get aggressive, which I would not recommend. Or you can just laughingly say, uh, yeah, hi, my name is Johnson, and uh, I think you can assume my pronouns and maybe give yeah. a little chuckle. That's and funny then, because they're always like, don't assume my pronouns. But if you let them assume, say, I think you can assume my pronouns, they're, they're going to be taken back a little exactly, bit. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I would and, prefer uh, if, if this is my email or something... I just did this a couple of days ago, actually, for, uh, I, I had to give some information, and uh, one of the things said for pronouns, and I, I just gave all the information except for pronouns, because I trust that the woman I corresponded with could assume from my first name that it's the first name of a man, Johnson. Who would ever think Johnson's a woman? Nobody. It's ridiculous. Like, the guy who made Johnsonville Bratwurst. I, exactly. I it's a guy. Who is, who's ever bought the, the Johnsonville Bratwurst and thought, hmm, I bet this was named after a woman? And it must be truly insane to think that. Yeah. It would have to be. So what do you think about just coming up with, like, silly pronouns? How do you think, what do you think of that strategy? Like, if you said, my pronouns are poo and pee, and <laughs> I'm a big fan of that strategy. It's funny, but, uh, but in a professional world, it's not really going to fly, yeah. and it might just get you labeled as immature. So I think I think poking fun in slightly different ways is better. Although that, it is pretty funny to do that. But yeah, my favorite response is the "You're welcome to assume my pronouns" as well because it it attacks two angles. You're just refusing, and you're also putting right there on the table that 
yeah, there's nothing wrong with assuming pronouns. It's, I think that's a good response. I like that one. Yeah. Assumptions, you could come back to them and say assumptions about different theories or how we make progress in society, and that would really, uh, yeah, that would really twist their brains for. It would grind their gears. A loop, yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, all the trust the science uh, folks. Well, how do you uh, come up with a scientific theory? Yeah, how how do we know truth in the world? Yeah. Oh well, what what is a hypothesis? It's an an assumption. Yeah. True. Exactly. Quite right. It all starts with an assumption. So I think a helpful way to uh, to think about this is. If there's one thing, one good thing we can take from how conservatives have failed for so many decades is we can look at what they've done and say, I will no longer do that. You know, we, we, this might be a, a point we beat into the ground, but conservatives have failed to conserve. And just 10 years ago, being a conservative, holding those same positions today would be make you labeled as a reactionary, which, by the way, means that we should probably all say that we are reactionaries if uh, well, well you know this gets into the question should you tell people you are a reactionary well the way that this has shifted is because of the Overton window shifting which I'm sure most of you are aware of it's but the, let's explain it again. the window of acceptable political thought it's like uh, the range of what you can say in public without being labeled as an extremist yeah so what's the furthest left acceptable position and the furthest right acceptable something that you could see on mainstream media though the everything between those extremes or those it's actually edges, a pretty narrow window the window is narrow but it shifts yeah every it's moving year. it's moved so far to the left in the yeah. last 100 years yeah incredibly far to the left okay. so what's acceptable today would have been radical radical leftism 100 years ago yeah. so how can we shift the window the other way we have to and, push the boundary and we you know we have to be realistic we we uh, these leftists have not all been just they've it's not it hasn't been shifted as a role, as a result of a bunch of really capable individuals it's been a small concentrated group with a a hegemony on the media let's be honest although that's a topic education for as well education it's the cultural the institutions. but we have to focus on in making an impact where we can so how can you shift the Overton window within your own sphere yeah, sidebar, that's really the only place you should be acting. Um, a book I recently read, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he talks about how the way there's a circle of concern and a circle of influence that everyone has, and people who are proactive seek to expand their circle of influence so that it's as large as their circle of concern. Uh, and the way to do that is by acting in your circle of influence. Like, we all have things we're concerned about. Like, maybe you're concerned about the inflation, that's your circle of concern, but there's nothing you can do about it. So to become more influential, act strictly in your circle of influence and expand that. So we are trying to do that here by act, acting on the people in our own life. That's right. So Tony Sylvester, can you share any examples of something you have done where you think you've done a good job at shifting the window? or maybe a bad job at it? I have to say, from what I've heard from Tony so far, he sounds like he's doing it all the wrong way. Well, it could be a case study. <laughs> well, that's not necessarily true. But you have you have a number of times said that so-and-so priest dislikes you. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tony Sylvester has apparently made an enemy 
um, from all the local bishops. All the local area. bishops are aware of Tony Sylvester. <laughs> this is they, true. See, they get together I, and talk about I'm gonna, how much I'm of a going to Tony Sylvester is. defend Tony Sylvester here because I have also had riffs with uh, yeah, I, bishops I do in think the past. We have both sides represented here. I think Johnson and I are maybe a little more uh, optical and then Tony I have to say Steven, I, I sometimes struggle to be uh, optical. Uh, but I mean this is this is the yin and the yang though. You need you need someone who's optical and uh, level-headed at all times, but you also need someone who's willing to push the boundary. Yeah, I, I will say when the situation presents itself. Now, maybe Tony Sylvester isn't doing it in the right situational context, which is what we're talking about. But I have no problem with him pushing the boundary. Well, you see, I, it's not like I'm going up to the bishop and saying you need to literally quit your job and you need to go work for the Church of Satan. Um, that would be bad. I this was at a, a very public a dinner. Um, for college students, and I went up to him and I wanted to talk to him about increasing the amount of uh, old masses rights that would be in the diocese, and I brought up just I was very peaceful about it. I just I expressed my interest, um, and I knew the priests at my parish were also quite interested, um, and I also brought up the support that young people have for the old mass, and he just took it. And the way he always he probably had bad experiences in the past with um, people like me, but he just got kind of defensive. really defensive. Yeah. defensive. And I, that's a shame because from listening to you talk, Tony, I don't think you did anything wrong there. I think you did that well, in a very reasonable way. Yeah. And that's not your fault, but there are some other times. So number one thing to watch out for is don't attack or accuse. If you put someone on the defensive, you've lost. You might as well just end it right there and go home. Well, well it depends. Are you are you trying to change the mind of the person you're talking to or are you trying to change the mind of the people observing? True. If you, if you um, uh, Stephen was talking about how he was going to attend a queer Catholic event yeah. and Let's give more context on this. Up. This is this is a great example. Yeah, so so Stephen, go ahead explain the situation. Explain. Yeah, so this is going to occur next week. It will probably have already occurred by the time the podcast airs, but I have been interested in attending uh, Nashville Young Catholics Queer and Catholic event, and some people have given me various takes on this, and it was basically either don't show up or just show up and say that they're stupid, but that's not the way I want to approach it. I want to yeah. approach it from a very logical and pragmatic sense that where I where I quote scripture, establish a solid uh, thesis and argument, and come to mm-hmm. a logical conclusion. One more thing to add in, because this is the most effective form of rhetoric is the pathological appeal. You got to show that you care about these people. One of the best arguments I've heard for why we care about something like gay marriage is we care about these people's soul. We want them. We don't want to. Yes, it's it's it's, it's a it's a pouring out. Uh, it, it's yeah. if I wanted these people to legitimately burn in hell and face like Satan's wrath, I would I would. I would not show up or, or, or you might even encourage or ostracize or even even encourage it. Just be like, yeah, go down the the rabbit hole of depravity. But because I care, I'm willing to broach the issue, although it's controversial, although it's mm-hmm. uh, difficult to get through to them. I'm going to continue to show up. 
That's a huge testament. And look good and oppose Satan. You do all things by showing yeah. up, looking good, opposing no, this Satan. This is great. I can't wait to hear how it goes because you really are. Who loves these people more? The guy What greater love go. than to lay down your life for one's friend? Right. Yes, these people are going to mock me and jeer at me and tell me that I'm a terrible person for showing up and caring about their soul. Right. Because so, the person who's just letting them continue to live in sin is not caring about their soul. And in some cases, they're probably lusting they over those people. They may be. Yeah. I, I was talking to you groomers. guys. Yeah. I was talking to you guys about St. Paul, how he says the flesh and the spirit are opposed to one another. Now, all of us struggle with this as reformed sinners. We all struggle with the desires of our flesh, what's, what's convenient for us at the moment, and what's going to uh, push us forward and ascend us to that like relationship that God ultimately wants for us. And by saying, oh, I'm queer and then I'm Catholic. Now, I don't want to get too caught up in the, 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 the word choice of it, but that's the thing. You're saying, I'm queer and Catholic. Even if, even if you flip them, that's saying, oh, I'm putting these on the same pedestal and saying that I'm giving into the desires of the flesh and, oh, I can also be like a little bit spiritual at the same time. St. Paul says they're opposed to one yeah. another. Now, quick, quick caveat. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve right. two masters. That's the parable with there, Jesus there are, where he's talking about that specifically. Now, just to give them the benefit of the doubt, there are Christians who are who believe themselves to have been born gay or maybe not born, but they didn't. They don't believe they chose it. That's and they're trying to live a Christian life while having these temptations. But I don't think that's what this group is. Based on the flyer we saw, it looked like it was promoting it. So that's yes, it just has, to clarify. It the, it's an important clarification. But yeah, you, you have to go there and you have to see it, though. You have to see what they're really promoting. Right. Are they promoting, oh, uh, people who are looking to still go, go to church and you know find out more about the Catholic faith? Or are they going to... You know, just the bishop and whoever shows up there to affirm identities and tell people, "Oh, yes, you can, you can go in in sin," because that's mm -hmm. not what the Catholic Church is no. all about. Oh, so to back up a bit, because Stephen's doing a lot of this is a great example of what we're talking about. Step one here: Stephen saw something that is wrong. Most people, the way conservatives have acted for decades, is Retreat. they see something wrong, they say, "I'm just going to put my head down." That's not me. I'm doing my own thing. If I just ignore it and focus on just me and maybe just my family, it'll be okay. The reason that hasn't panned out is because it allows them to grow more and more influence. And now they're doing it on Disney. They're trying to make your kids gay. Literally. They're teaching CRT and transgender stuff at public school. So now you just can't put your head down. You, It's everywhere. So the only response we have is to actually start doing something about it now, which Stephen is doing. He's decided he's going to show up and have his voice heard. He's going to speak the truth, which is very courageous. Step two, now most people aren't gonna do that. Most people are just going to say, I'm just gonna avoid this thing. And if in mass numbers, that can be effective. If everyone says, I'm not gonna buy from this company anymore. I'm, I'm gonna cancel my Disney subscription. I'm gonna stop buying at Starbucks because they were harassing conservatives. So most people don't do that even. And that's really set us back. If you just do that, you're on your way better than what a lot of people are doing but we have to do a little little more the next step is forward is showing up and you know being courageous and Stephen is going to write some he's going to write a bit of a speech he's going to try to give this there and this gets into the meat of this topic how does he do that without looking like some crazy jerk he can't be accusing people he can't be putting them on the defensive 
he can't come off as some nut job or some jerk you know this is you have to be very tactful here very optical but you have to be courageous and don't hold back so yeah what is how does steven do that i think we um we can be inspired by jesus in this context because jesus was always very harsh on calling out sin this is a big misconception but that he would call out the sinners and say listen if you repent you are forgiven but go forth and sin no more yeah so so that's how he said it as the as the manifestation of god on earth so how can we do it as followers of jesus well we can be inspired by the love that he showed for sinners archbishop fulton j sheen said we must hate the sin but love the sinners. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I didn't know he said that. That's fantastic. I've heard that quote a lot, and that's exactly what we want to do. Like, look at how Jesus treated the the woman who was about to be stoned for adultery. He showed her compassion and didn't like how people were just... Go ahead and cast the first stone. Right, but he was firm with her. He said, said, go forth and sin no more. So when you do this, this speech or you show up at this event, your goal should be to show compassion to the people. Yes. But strength and courage and truth the the current conservative sin. position is to is to throw the stone mm-hmm. and then and then walk away yeah. and, and and go home and, and feel yeah. almost nothing yes. like oh i i own the libs i own this uh trans person or this uh gay person or, or whatever or just this like a city urban like liberal type who doesn't understand anything because they've never seen anything different and all you're doing is just dumping. There's just literally pouring gasoline on their their fire to make them more yeah. radical. I think you're exactly right, Stephen. The average conservative, the average Republican, throws the stone, feels like they did a good day's work, and then never looks at it again. Doesn't try to help the person. They've done nothing to advance the further agenda of our movement or the country. All they've done is pour gasoline on someone who's already struggling really bad and doesn't want good things for our country because they don't understand anything else. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, oh, I told them. Well, it's like, all right, well, you consider yourself to have agency and know better. Well, why don't you take it as a as, as a teaching moment mm-hmm. to really get into the, the issue with people? But it's like, no, it's, it's just easier to yeah. just dunk on people. Now, Tony, I've heard you talk about this sort of thing. You come across people who you think they're, to put it lightly, the biggest degenerates you've ever seen. Yeah. How do you respond to people um, like that? You know, I've, I've had to deal with a lot of people over the last year questioning me on my beliefs, especially with the ideas of chastity. Um, and I've, after talking to some of these people, I realized they don't realize it, but they have these heavy burdens um, of their sin. And same with like homosexuality, that's a very heavy burden to bear. And I realized um, I can't just sit there and say, you guys are degenerates, you are fools, you're going to hell. Um, so I, what I try to do now is I just want to have like a really open conversation with these people. Um, just last week, uh, me and my good friend, we were at a, a friend's house um, after one of our club meetings. And these guys, one guy who's actually a big John Doyle fan, um, and a Nick Fuentes fan and I kind of expected him to have 
stronger values than he actually did. Because he was sitting there, he was telling us how he his family is Jewish, but he's not religious, and he he's gotten some trouble with the law for wearing his MAGA hats and such. Um, he actually has a felony under his belt because of uh, something with his MAGA hat. Different story. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, um, he's he's a really nice guy. Again, a little bit of a degenerate. Uh, done a lot of drugs. Um, very promiscuous, and basically these these me and my friend were sitting here, we're playing guitar, we're jamming, and um, the the two guys we're hanging out with. Uh, there was one other guy who's just playing Fortnite the whole time. He's very similar though, and um, they're they're telling us these stories about these these women they slept with, and just these crazy women and how they're they're drunk or they're they're trying to blackmail them or just these these weird situations they've been in and I I couldn't help just just feel like like the stories were funny they were really funny but at, at the same time I felt like wow I I kind of feel bad for them Be- yeah so I've, I've had a uh, some similar encounters where I just talk to people who I'm in like obviously I'm in, in the workplace now I'm not mm-hmm. in school or anything like that but similar encounters where you just go out with people who are just in like the the the, the secular culture and it, it just it does feel weird it, it, it honestly makes me a little uncomfortable at this point because it reminds me of a place where like I was like I was that guy like four years ago lucky for me I didn't get uh, like a felony charge or, or anything or get in trouble but yeah I, I had a promiscuous past I did some things that I'm not very proud of and like those are things that like I wear on my sleeve now so that's not to say that I don't I I could never have people who are like that in my in my core circle anymore so when you're in these situations is it enough to just be a model of something different or should you try to start a conversation what did you do so they they actually asked us. They knew we were religious, um, and so they they asked us about why we were so into waiting till marriage. And I've always had a that was always kind of a tough one. I didn't really have a good answer up until pretty recently. I tried to explain it um, in the most secular way possible, um, just talking about the Catholic view on sacraments. And um, and I'm currently reading Theology of the Body, so I. I kind of tried to tie some of that into it, but overall, I, I just I couldn't help but think it just wasn't effective. Um, what was your, what was your take? I'm curious what you said. So, uh, I've so really tried to work this out in my head. Um, I like to bring up how our goal as Catholics is to get to heaven, to yeah. reach that eternal eros with God, and so I said we are fallen beings. We're very prone to sin and one of the the reason we have the sacraments in the church is why I see it is kind of like those are God's gift to us to help us get closer to him make it a little bit easier to deal with these sins and so I brought up how marriage is the sacrament where it brings you really close to God it puts you in a position where you are almost at that point of heaven but it's, you're still unfulfilled. It's it's the closest thing on earth to mm-hmm. the relationship that we have with God. Yeah. Is the love between a man and a woman. And so when I 
say that, I mean that that sacrament is the coming together of man and woman. And it's, it's the ultimate connection. It's when, when God made man and woman, he, he, well, their woman came from a man, the breastbone. And so whenever you're married, you're, it's this bond, right? And if you're going out and being promiscuous, you're basically severing that bond. You're making it insignificant. And prime, prime, prime example, people always having like exes like come back into, into their life and talking about past relationships or encounters like, oh, you know, in the, the like secular culture talk like, oh, like, oh, my ex like did it better. And like they almost like resent like their 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 husband. Mm hmm. Or, or stuff like that. And it goes same way, same way for, for a man. Like, oh, I, I was with a woman who was, you know, more, more attractive or like this and that. And like those things are still in their subconscious. And so... As, as St. Paul said, you're quite literally binding your soul to someone. Mm -hmm. And so you should not take that lightly. You should not bind your soul to like every <laughs> random person you find attractive. A strong argument that appeals to secular people is... If you look at the statistics, Christians have much better outcomes in marriage and for family. One of the reasons for that is uh, chastity helps you to, helps prevent you from becoming attached to someone that you would not have otherwise. Yeah, yeah, um, especially what there's a. So it helps you. Yeah, basically, it helps you find make sure you love the correct instead person. of it makes sure you, you it it helps to make sure you love someone and you don't simply really care about them and also lust over them. Yeah, so you're going to end up with a, a happier marriage. Yeah, and there's um, another good argument for people who don't are secular is um, I can't remember what the name of the chemical is that your brain releases, but the oxytocin. Like, oxytocin, yeah. And the more partners you have, um, the weaker that becomes. It dulls it, yeah. Yeah. And I also like to talk about, like, shoe. Um, like, you don't want to be a lot of these women are like these shoes that so many guys put this their is funny. feet in. This is why uh, Tony Sylvester <laughs> may have been thought as unsavory for the podcast. But I don't, I don't use that one so much anymore. Um, and my friend, he only buys new shoes. Exactly. Uh, no, no one goes shoe if, shopping but, at Goodwill, and if you do, I would encourage you to change. What your kind shoe of fungus did that previous owner have? <laughs> But I, 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 there's so many. But I see what he's saying though. Like, there's some things that you can buy, like hand-me-down. Why would you buy someone's hand-me-down shoes though? Would you, would you not go and buy a new pair of shoes? No, I have. Now I'm thinking I have a lot. So of how, how old are you? I'm 19. If I was, if I was as far along as him at 19, like I don't even know, like the like, superhuman like he's I have. So based. Already. I'm so, I'm so angry that he. I'm not angry. <laughs> I, I'm, I love him, but like. It's just amazing that he understands it in 19. Because at 19, I was a total dumbass. Like, I was doing all the wrong things. Yeah. Well, I, was, I, I was like your buddy who got the felony. Like, minus, so what minus like, you? the felony. So, so, okay, so, Steve, you mentioned that you were kind of like Tony's friend there. What changed your mind? Did you have a number of people coming to you and sitting you down and saying, Steve, you got to change? Or was it more like subtle influences? Subtle influence. I, I had no one specifically come to me and say, you have to to change I mean I had some I guess situations with my family where they'd like 
yell at me, I guess, or I wasn't like doing things right, but it was it wasn't. So in the back of your mind, you knew you were messing up. So yeah, so let, I let, think that's kind of the innate. Everyone has that innate drive to be connected spiritually with God, and I think almost everybody will have that inkling of it. Some people's conscience so, has been completely muted over years and years yeah. of not listening to it. So True. the situation of being a cradle Catholic, growing growing up and going to Catholic school, then going to public school for high school, getting experience in like what like the, I guess like secular like worldview like is, not having a grounding and understanding the why. Cause like I, I told you, I talked about that, that situation with the priest at the theology uh, seminar. And I said, I wish my dad would have talked to me like deeper about theology and answered some of the whys and just saying, Oh, we go on to church on Sunday because, and because I didn't know the why I, Mm -hmm. I, I I rejected the, the hierarchy, I guess. Well, Oh, let me see if I can like subvert the loop. And when you subvert the loop, you go into a sunken fallen place away from God. And at that point, I guess I, picked up the pieces and returned to, I guess, a neutral state. Like, okay, I'm open again to these issues. And then over time, as you realize like, okay, yeah, I am a religious person. Well, why do religious, why, why do Catholic people believe this? And then going to that conclusion and then, okay, yeah. well, if I believe, if I believe this is true, do I believe that the next logical step is yeah. true? So it's moving through the progressions of your logical development. Yeah, great point. Tony was talking about this kind of thing yesterday. So many people have all these questions and it leads them to fall away because the catechesis, the teaching of the faith is not greatest. No. Now, if you do do your own research, uh, you'll find that the apologetics out there for the faith are incredible and everything makes rational and logical sense. Yeah. And you can get your questions answered, but most people just don't know, don't know why and they haven't really looked yeah. it up. They, they're talking to atheists instead and they're then they're not getting a opposing view but yeah I, I would say that i was always i guess right wing like politically i was never like a a leftist or anything i would reject that i guess maybe in like 2016 when i voted for uh the dawn the dawn i was a uh i guess like a moderate conservative maybe slightly religious to like a little bit like secular like libertarian type and then as I uh, got into a relationship and I had a roommate who was uh, a communist who like had like serious like depression like issues and really just disliked existence and saw how that lifestyle would take you saw how some people were living in college like just to uh, get by some people go to like university and they become like more liberal I saw how depraved it made everyone out there and I just wanted to seek something different mm-hmm. and that was right around the time where uh, I met you and some of our other friends and I was turning a corner at that point I was thinking more uh, subconsciously about it and then I was like okay well I, 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 I turned the corner a little bit and I met like these great people so now it's time to like like go all in, kind of mm. put up or, or shut up about it. Interesting. So something else I want to discuss is this line in the sand thing. I think we all need to think deeply about what our line in the sand is. Because if you don't have one, you're just going to keep getting drug along by 
bad things happening at your school or at yeah. work or by the culture. And if you have a line in the sand, you can put your foot down and say, no, I'm not going to get drug passes. If you do let yourself get past drug passes line in the sand, do you really have any integrity? Do you have any courage? What, where is your will? If you're letting them, if they're letting, if you're willingly letting them take you past that line in the sand, whether it's willingly complying with something that promotes abortion or something that promotes transgender ideology or something that promotes any LGBT lifestyle or, or for maybe it was the vaccine mandate. If you cross that line when you previously said you wouldn't, they've taken everything from you. You've got no integrity. If you stand for nothing, you fall for everything. Yeah. So that's very important. Just coming up with that line. If you don't know on paper or in your head what your line is, they'll just keep dragging you along forever. Yeah, I think that's a great, great thing to live by. Um, I was in ROTC, um, and I I really loved ROTC. I loved uh, my unit. I love the people in it. Um, they're a little crazy. Um, it was uh, I was in kind of like a, it was just like a great experience. Um, I've always been a very military oriented person, and so when the the vaccine started to roll out and they wanted everyone to get it. I was in this really tough position where um, I was on track to get a three-year scholarship according to my commanding officer. And um, I had made a lot of really good friends. Um, I loved wearing my uniform. I loved getting up early in the morning. I loved doing drill. And I was put in this position where I had to give up a lot of things I really liked. So I, and for this experimental injection, um, and I talked to a lot of people, I prayed about it a lot. I wasn't, I wasn't as religious as I was now, or I am now. And I ultimately came to the conclusion through talking to a lot of people that I would leave ROTC. And a lot of these kids would, they were really confused because I had, I had this really gung-ho attitude with the military. I was like, I'd die for the country. And these, these kids were like, why would you, why are you willing to die for the country, but you won't get the vaccine? And I was like, you're just fundamentally understanding what I'm, misunderstanding what I'm saying. I would die for the country. I would not die for the government. Nor would I take in experimental injections for the government. Yeah, that's very impressive. Not too many people would do something like that. And it shows a lot of integrity. You gave up a ton. Yeah, written down about how to shift the, the Overton window within your own friend group. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Go ahead and just introduce that topic. Yeah. So one last final thing that we'll talk about is in a very practical way, how you shift the Overton window of your own group. I have some experience with this. Uh, so in my main circle of friends over the past few years at my organization, or I guess I could just say university, I've, I've had some, some close friends. Only one other of them is strongly conservative, strongly Christian. Yet somehow, just a couple years after meeting these people, the Overton window of our group is dramatically shifted to the right. It is... It, so you know, there's there's a lot of do you, very, do you uh, think homophobic that, jokes, for example. Do you think that's entirely because of you and your one other friend, or just because? I think so. It's the, or, a lot um, is happening in the culture too, though. Yeah, maybe. May, 
Not, that's what I'm getting at. Maybe you subtly drop some things and, like, they're noticing the rapid decline of, like, cultural depravity. Because, I mean, we, you talk about, like, the slippery slope and we saw it, like, going downhill. But now it's almost in, like, absolute free fall. And, like, anyone who can't see it at this point is honestly, is honestly almost never going to see it. That's a good point. There's there's probably a lot of factors. But, but I think an effective way to shift the window with your own power is, so first of all, I'm someone who I don't always come off as moderate. I'm, I'm not, some people will think I'm a little more extreme, something I could be better at. But my other friend is, he, he holds these same core values that I do, but he's borderline apolitical and won't debate people about it. He holds them for himself and he has a lot of integrity, but he, um, unless he's deliberately asked about it, he's not gonna try to change your mind. And this worked really well for us because you know, I would say something, and maybe it was a little out there. And then when the, when we all went our separate ways, another of our friends would go to my other friend and say, hey, Johnson was saying these things. Don't you think he's kind of crazy? And then my my good friend would say, no, no, I agree with them, blah, 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 here's why. Mm. So it's almost... Classic good cop, bad exactly, cop. Exactly. It's almost like good cop, bad cop. And I, I, I don't, don't want to con- encourage doing that deliberately because it could be a little manipulative. But if you have that that dynamic naturally I think it can be a pretty effective way to that's, what I, that's what we were just talking about earlier like the yin and the yin and the yang like you yeah. and you and you and Johnson are like the the order and uh, me and Tony Sylvester are kind of the chaos a little bit yeah it's true although Johnson and I we step into chaos quite a bit sometimes too we have to deli- very deliberately try to be optical it's not just natural like yeah. it is for Johnson's friend there it's true I have, uh, in my, in my friend group at my, uh, the academic institution I attend, um, I have some very liberal friends and they like to just say these goofy things all the time, like internalized homophobia, or if you're homophobic, then you're actually like gay. They all say that. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's a little gay. I just, I think it's really funny. It's because we're so happy that we do not approve of homosexuality. Yeah, I I usually just laugh that off because I don't really care to respond to it. But oftentimes I will drop little things like maybe if they're having a difficult time, like I'll tell them like, um, well, God maybe has a plan for you. Or if they're thinking of going out on the weekend, I'll say, well, what is, why do you like this unfulfilling lifestyle so much and bring up how they're they always want to die or something and say well maybe you should try to look through god more so i just like putting these little little just little hints. seeds in their heads the mustard seed you're planting the mustard mm-hmm. seed because their true. lifestyle breeds depression and yours breeds becoming a chad a beast it's true uh and i've i've actually seen some some things have happened where someone will bring something up to them uh pretty soon afterwards and I kind of wonder if it really sits in their mind the way I want it to. Yeah. Like, who can know? No. Who knows? Good question. Yeah. It does seem like subtlety is very effective in personal relationships. I think with the culture, we have to be firm. We have to be strong and courageous. But with people in your own life, it's better to be subtle. Yes. And if people know you're trying to change their mind, their mind will not be <clears throat> changed unless by some crazy exception, they're extremely open to being changed. Yeah. I have a friend who... Uh, he just quietly would 
do his thing, living a very virtuous life, trying his best, and I think he influences a ton of people around him just by working on himself, being an extremely hard worker, and just living a good life. Yeah. That says more than anything. And it's important to find that balance between being principled and being pragmatic. One of the one of the errors of conservative thought that we have discussed is that, you know, it's I'm I'm just I'm going to be principled. I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to ever stoop to the level. But we have to be realistic and pragmatic. So you need to have your principles, but you also need to know when you really do need to be trying to change things. Well, I mean, you talked about it from the conservative perspective, but I'd I'd like to shift it to. The religious perspective and the Catholic perspective, whereas you you look at any of the examples of like Jesus or like his apostles, on the macro scale, like Jesus is always talking about like you cannot enter like he who like has a bunch of uh, riches and like material objects like cannot like enter the kingdom of heaven. He's talking on a very like macro scale. But like you like we talked about before, every time he's talking to like an individual person, like that woman who was an adulterer, like he's like, who's gonna throw the first stone? Like on a on a micro level, he's always very uh caring and compassionate and really because he understands all the temptation of sin and he's without sin. So he understands it. He understands why people are tempted to sin and looks to understand them on a micro level, but on a macro level, he rejects it like entirely. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think that really is a good summary of it. It depends on if you're looking at the micro versus the macro, your approach should be very different depending on which. Yeah. So on a macro level, yeah, you should, you should give that sermon. You should, you should be, you should be bold. You should make legitimate claims about what we believe, but on a micro level, it needs to be like, Yes, like I understand like what what you're going through and like I would like I would just drop something like, Oh yeah, you know, like I I used to feel like this, but then I did X and my life is like people do like like to be like to be comforted, you know yeah, what I mean? A sermon is addressed to an audience and a conversation is addressed to an individual or a couple individuals. Yeah, and, and we're too busy trying to give to we're too know. busy trying to give sermons to people who are just individual people. Like they don't want to be like there's a reason they don't go to church is cuz they don't want to be preached to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they they don't understand the Yeah, nobody wants the, to be preached to. They don't understand the concept. I mean, yeah, I I I used to have a, t- a type of feeling about like people who were on like the street corner like thumping a Thumbing a Bible. I mean, I'm. I've come around on on those people. I didn't like. I didn't like it at first. I was like, oh, well, why is this person like standing standing on a street corner, like you know, holding the Bible? And I, I didn't get it at first. But I've come around on that topic that they're trying to. Well, why do you? Why have you come around? Because clearly, it didn't work on you when you weren't a Christian. It's only you only like it now that you agree with them. Yeah, but I, I understand the, the urge to preach okay. the, the gospel. You understand it, but you don't necessarily think it's Yeah, I, I don't think it's necessarily effect like like talking talking down people. Like again, he, he again, it's just like oh, this guy's like standing and yelling on a street corner. But at some point, like you also do need people who are who are like foot soldiers out there and willing to say just. Yeah, better approach though than the guy with the microphone, the megaphone, just 
yeah. spewing, you know, whatever. They have a speech or something, yeah. and you might catch a couple sentences as you're walking past. Yeah. I think better is like the one who stands on the corner and initiates conversation with individuals. Yeah, like like we're talking about like the change my mind thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or instead of like standing and like yelling the Bible at people, maybe buy a stack of Bibles and like hand them out to people who are willing and open. Be like, oh, have like a 10 minute conversation with me. And then, you know, maybe yeah. I can give you a Bible or like this great like Christian book that I read or something like that. So. Yeah. One last final thought, I think. When we talked about this line in the sand, whether that's with some cultural institution or a TV show you like. I mean, if, you, if they cross your line in the sand, that means you should not participate. No way. What do you do then? We can find alternatives or try to build new ones. So that's that's something I want to know about with, with Twitter, right? There's a big battle for Twitter right now. And some people on the right are saying, no, we should keep using it. We need to have our voice here. Others are saying, screw Twitter. Let's build our own stuff. Which way do we go? Maybe both. Maybe, both and see what sticks. Definitely both, yeah. I, I think the alternative economy is a must. So just for the fact that we keep our ideals uh, pure and directed, like I like Gab because it's like an ultimate free speech uh, platform and I can choose to ag- agree or disagree with people either – Direction, I guess, because on because on Twitter, obviously, if you say anything that's like substantially conservative, like you're going to be censored for it. And so we we don't want people that are trying to like work around the algorithms. You have like your, uh, I guess, mainstream like kind of like middle ground people that they call like uh, uh, I don't know libertarian types or like disaffected liberal types who they're trying to label as conservative just because. They say things that are like moderately like edgy for the the yeah. platform. So I think you need an alternative to keep your ideals whole, but you can't abandon the conversation uh, entirely. And yeah, a situation where someone like Musk comes in and does some reform would be a would be a, a very positive uh, situation for us because I don't think you can throw out like. Uh, you can't throw out the good for like something great because that's just not realistic. I think a great thing is to create your own platform and like Gab, some of the other right wing platforms have kind of sucked for lack of a better term. Yeah. Like Truth Social fizzled out, Parler got into that problem with like the App Store. So. Yeah, it's going to take a while, but the, the free market does work. You know, it takes its time sometimes, but. Facebook wasn't always number one. It was MySpace before that. And Facebook probably won't always be number one. But I think that's a good place to leave off. We're going to be talking about this kind of thing more in the coming weeks. We have some big guests coming up. We have uh, the Catholic Coffee Roasters coming on in a couple weeks, which should be pretty cool. They're a couple that built their own business, coffee business. So we are going to talk about Christian entrepreneurship. It's going to be Should be cool. It should be awesome. Great job there, Johnson and, and Tony. Tony Sly. I like Tony. I don't know why people give Tony a bad rap. Honestly, Tony is a friend of the podcast. Yeah. Tony, tell us the sh- what's on your shirt. Um, it's a piece of John Doyle merch, actually. It says, I hate the Antichrist. Uh, five times, actually. Is it five times, so you really mean it? And then it's got a picture. A Saint, centurion. St. Michael the Archangel. Oh, do, that's What's he doing? Oh, uh, well... 
I'm pretty sure, theologically, he has a sword, but he has a spear and he's about to stab Satan. Interesting. So, so Stephen Stephen has a similar his, shirt. What does your shirt have on it, Steve? This is also uh, Saint Michael, uh, with a spear. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Saint, Saint Michael, Michael defend, defend us. us, and it's in. Uh, is that, that's Latin, Latin, Latin and yes. he's snipping on Satan on yeah, Lucifer. He's got him. There you go. Very cool. Very cool. He's got a huge legs. That's, that's those are, to, he must be a rower. Those are enormous, uh, enormous quads. Yeah, that's a way to um, look good and oppose Satan at the same time. One of these. Tony here, I, he wears that shirt out in oh, public. Tony gets, Sylvester. Tony, I'm not gonna say Tony Sylvester the whole time. Too long. Tony goes and wears the shirt out in public and stuff. So and I think he gets all these looks. It's just it's subtle, but it's that's like, so that's so effective though, because like anyone who's a normie is gonna wear a shirt that says like, "Oh, let's go Brandon on it" or something like that. But like. If you wear something like Tony Sylvester's wearing, like you're le- you're legitimately an enemy of Satan and Satan and all of those who do his work. Yeah, wait till the American Redemption merch comes out. That's right. Oh, dropping soon. Not really very soon. I would. We have to get it out at some point, like this summer. Like if it does not come out for summertime, we have, we're, yeah. we're going to. Tony's friend said they might be interested in in building the website as a a contractor. Yeah, there you go. Just the sales portion. That's fine. We need Steven to make the regular yeah, we, site. We, we can update the regular site, and then we can yeah. contract out the, the shop version. Because we want, we want that to be clean. We want it to be easily accessible, and we want to start getting yeah. some... Uh, All right. So, yep. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time. Give us five stars. Tell us how much you like or dislike Tony Sylvester coming on the podcast, if he should ever return. <laughs> if you don't... Uh, if you don't... If you hate the Antichrist, give this podcast five stars and tell us why. Just just, let's just say anti-Tony people. Tony disrespectors not welcome on the podcast anymore. But must respect Tony (laughs) and Johnson. Johnson, no, you don't have to respect Johnson. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Because this is Johnson's returning. uh, The return of Johnson. You disrespect Tony, you get a little. Johnson will be back for a a more focused episode just with Johnson in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Johnson's a reoccurring guest because he he operates the Instagram. (laughs) He's a part of the team in a very small role. Tony Tony Sylvester is going to be our bodyguard when we go on like tour. inactive Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) That loses about five followers a week. (laughs) It's a dying page. When we we start our... uh, our tour of a po- the opposed Satan tour. Tony Sylvester is going to be our bodyguard. <laughs> he already has his weapons: a bow and a sword. That would be a great That's name great. for like the uni- like if we go like a campus like tour, the like American Redemption like opposed Satan tour. Like that would yeah. be that would be so bad. Like the video Kevin sent us. So like those guys at like Georgetown yeah. and like they're like praying like the rosary in front of like a bunch of like demonic like people that are like screeching them down. Yeah. All right. See you next time.